Uh, hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I am Matt Rossi. I'm your host. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, Joe Perez. Hey, Joe, how you doing? I am doing phenomenal this week. I'm having a great week. So Good. I'm sorry. My computer just decided <laughs> to completely lose its mind, so I'm, like, silent. Joe's like, oh, you need to make noise now. <laughs> but, uh, no, but how about uh, you? How's your week going? Well, like I, you know, I had some some stressful stuff last week. I think I don't know if people know about this. If you don't follow me on Twitter, probably a smart move. Um, but my wife had to go into the hospital to uh, get a biopsy done this week, so I went in Friday and hung out in the hospital all day. Which, by the way, is a party. It is just such a party to have to be in the hospital all day. Um, I have so many stories to tell of like trying to get a pizza buying the pizza, then sitting there for 15 minutes because they told me they would tell me when the pizza was ready and then they didn't tell me. And keep in mind, I hadn't slept mm-hmm. in like a day because I was worried about my wife going through surgery. So I'm, I literally just start like, I, I have my head in my hands trying not to freak out at the people who work at the pizza place. Just like, you know, strike, keep it calm, keep it together. You're here for your wife. And uh, then as I'm walking through the hallways, it's like, Nobody wants to be at the hospital, guys. No. I, I, I'm sure nobody is surprised by this news, but, like, there was, like, this one dude who was just running around up and down the hallways. Like, I don't know what his problem was, but seriously, man, you got to stop doing that. That's that's rude. And trying to use a bathroom in a, in, a, in a hospital, not fun, because people will just start banging on the door. It's like, I'm in here. Did you not – like, were you raised in, like, a barn? I, I I'm using this. So, yeah, it was – but I've been chilling out since then, trying to calm down from that. Uh, playing a lot of old games. I played a lot of Kingdoms of Amalur this week, which I've already talked about on the pre-show. I I actually also played um, – I don't know if you remember. if you Did you get a chance to play Pathfinder Kingmaker when it came out? No, I did not. Yeah, I've been playing that quite a bit because uh, I'm, I'm really fond of Pathfinder and, and Pathfinder 2 for that matter. Uh, I like how Pathfinder 2 approaches multiclassing where it isn't – you don't actually take a level in a new class. You basically take a feat, and then you basically can pick some stuff from yeah, that class. I like that. I like that, that way better. I like that way better. I, I, my, my still personal favorite for multiclassing. The best I think multiclassing's ever been done is straight up third ed. Yeah, I think third edition D and D did multiclassing better than anybody else has ever done it, and I get why everybody has backpedaled from it since because nobody leveled to to max level in As one class. As a pure class, class. nope. Nobody did it. It just it did not happen. Nope. And I and get why they want people to they want to encourage that. They want to make it so it's it's attractive to level in your class. I get that. But I liked it much better. I, I had a ball with with third, with third edition multiclassing. The, the one thing I will say about multiclassing in fifth edition is it feels punishing. Like it, it, it gives you some really cool things, but it also potentially limits you in ways that make you weaker than the sum of your parts which is just weird. And I, and like you said, I understand what they're trying to do to encourage you to like be, you know, give you stuff to play in, but I don't know. There, there's some very weak combinations there. There's some weak cons. And then there's ones like, you know, the ones that don't make any sense on paper, like they make sense on paper. They don't make any sense. If you think about them role playing wise, like Paladin Warlock. Yeah. It's one of the best. It's one of the absolute best multi. It's so strong and it's so weird. Like well, you have to like bend pretty hard to like you know either you're going Oathbreaker Paladin, or you're going with like you know Warlock of a of a really nice Fey God and you know it's just like at this point you're basically cheating pretty hard lore wise guys. Well, part I get of why it you're is, doing it, but part of it is also because there's some vagueness in the rules that allow that particular combination to do real dang good. Oh yeah, and it's just one of the reasons why back in the day when people were like maybe they'll bring multiclassing to World of Warcraft, I'm like, you hope they don't. Yeah. I know you think you want this, but uh, to, to sound an awful lot like Jalen Brack, I know you think you want this, but it turns out it would be a nightmare. Can you imagine like, trying to balance like it's going to be 60 levels soon? But can you imagine trying to balance like a, a level 30 rogue, level 30 warlock? And we, we talk about that a lot. Like, just think about the sheer number of classes and specs right now in the game. Now imagine having to balance how those interact with each other in a same like a single player frame. That is, oh man, that would just break yeah. the game. That would break the game in in not good ways. Like well, I was not designed for it. No, um, it doesn't mean it couldn't be done. 
but it would have to be done much more like Pathfinder, where one talent tier you could swap. Yeah. Like, imagine if you said, like, you know, okay, I took, you know, at level 45, you have the option. Okay, every, like, you could do it with every, like, talent level. If you, like, level 45, you get a talent tier. You get the option one time for your character to take a talent tier from a different class. Yeah. And that would be it. And it would still be kind of broken because it would be like, okay, now I have to figure out how what my holy power generation is on my warrior. Uh, but at least it's feasible. But yeah, no, it would be a. It would and, be a and, and it's one thing that I don't think will ever happen for any for no other reason but PvP exists. If PvP yeah. didn't mm-hmm. exist, I think maybe it would be something we would see. But that that would just be okay. I'm gonna go kill this shaman. Why is he shield bashing me? You yeah, know. or that that priest bubble hearthed. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. But speaking of weird things in World of Warcraft and other things, this isn't really about World of Warcraft, but it's, it's, I think it's probably the top story right about now. Warcraft Three Reforged. Oh boy, people are not happy with Warcraft Three Reforged, guys, and there's lots of different reasons why people aren't happy. Um, there's some significant bugs, especially in multiplayer. Uh, there's a thing that isn't a bug, but that happened in multiplayer and a lot of people are unhappy about. So I'm going to mention that, which is if you liked playing Warcraft three with the, with the reign of chaos rule set, which a lot of people did, oh, a lot yeah, of people del- did. deliberately didn't get, uh, the frozen throne and, the, or didn't use it. They just used the reign of chaos rule set. And you can't do that anymore with Warcraft three reforged. And you can't do it even if you didn't buy Warcraft three reforged. Yep. Because Blizzard just straight up doesn't support it. They've, they've, it is gone. You, you play with the whole. Everything's merged together. Uh, all the rules are together, and so that's there. I mean, there's the mod situation where Blizzard has said, you know, if you make a mod, you can't sell that mod. We own it. Yeah. That's that's ours. So if you make a mod for this game, it belongs to us. Uh, and and that's just the the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I'm not. There are people who are mad not because of any bugs or anything like that. They're just mad because back at BlizzCon and in other places, Blizzard had said that they were going to be altering the lore of the game effectively to make it fit with with Warcraft with World of Warcraft. Not altering it, but you know, updating it, making it make sense. And they didn't really do that. I think yeah, they, like, I think they, they changed Stratholme to make the layout match. Yeah. Wow, but other, like they didn't really do it a lot. And they they did some the way, map adjustments, but that was really about it. One of the ways they didn't like one of the things they didn't do is like if the cinematic was a fully rendered cinematic, they bumped up, bumped it up. But aside from that one we saw at BlizzCon, they didn't update any of the cinematics, the ones that are like the actual movie type ones. The, uh, they, like they left those in game the way they were. The ones that are using the game engine use the new game engine. Yeah. For instance, I think the Arthas Illidan fight, you can see that. They did change the lore on that one, though, because Arthas wins. And I have it from Illidan that he won that fight. So I'm pretty sure they changed the lore there. But everywhere else, they didn't change the lore. That's my little joke. I'm sorry. I told it on Twitter earlier, and I just had to use it now. Hey, I appreciate it. The one thing that I think that people aren't talking about, too, and this is something I saw because I am one of those people that I sit on Reddits and forums and stuff like that when I've got nothing to do. Um, They also reduce the amount of animation for units and characters in also skin so like there's some weird things that i remember and i went back and and i actually like thought about this after people were pointing it out but like there used to be three unique attack animations for every unit and every character in the game most of them now only have two uh so they just copied and pasted one of the other ones to into the third slot or, or whatever the case is the other thing is now the arthas model this is just an example is the only death knight model there are no other ones. When back in Warcraft 3, there was a Arthas model, and then there was a Death Knight model. So a lot of people are pointing out stuff like that, too, which is just kind of odd choices. Like, they're not game-breaking for me personally, but it's just it's sort of like a weird thing. Because people that are really hardcore about these types of games, that's stuff they would notice. So that's... It, I don't know. It's just a weird situation. At least I will say that they're doing right by allowing people that aren't happy with their purchase uh, to actually get refunds, which yeah, is they, good. They did, they did reverse their policy and they're letting everybody get refunds. And that's, that's, that's a good decision for them to have made. Um, I think in general, I, I'm not 
the I'm not the group that's angry here, so I'm not going to speak for them. I'm not going to tell you why you don't like this game if you don't like this game. That's that's just not cool, and I'm not going to do it. I do think there is a certain amount of. I've seen a lot of videos that are like Blizzard destroys its community, uh, or you know, biggest betrayal ever, and I'm like sitting there going, guys, guys, do you remember the Diablo three launch? <laughs> um. Do, do you do you heck do you remember the Burning Crusade launch? Uh, they used to have they used to have really the Mists of Pandaria launched with a bug so bad that Alliance couldn't progress off of the airship. I remember that, and, and it stayed that way. Horde players were like getting like like a level or two ahead because Alliance players were stuck on that boat and couldn't yep. they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't progress. I was playing Alliance at the time. I remember that bug. That bug. That so, bug was terrible. So this is not. It, Blizzard having a rocky launch is nothing new, what? and that's it's it's totally fair for you to point out all the ways that they have messed up, however you feel about this game. But it's not fair. I see people like reacting like this was done personally to hoodwink people. Yeah, that's or it's, it's malicious or it's destructive of Blizzard as a whole. Um, this was never going to be more than like a fun side thing. This is not a big part of Blizzard's portfolio. It was not a major focus of their time. It was a fun side thing they wanted to do. Well, this is it, about the same as, as StarCraft Remastered. I I agree, except for a couple things that I think people are keying off of. I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think people should be as upset as they are about some of this stuff. I, I understand why they are, but I think it's it's going to certain extremes. If I think if Blizzard hadn't done two things specifically with this, it would have been better. One, there was no communication almost at all on the status of this from the announcement to basically when the beta went out. So people were curious what was going on, what was happening. There was no community, unlike their other games. The other thing is I think they overpromised when they announced the game, like way overpromised. Because this is a game, RTSs in general, are still very popular, and people play them. Like, there there are huge groups that were still playing Warcraft 3, and the promises said, hey, if this does well, maybe we'll do Warcraft 4, or something along those lines. They weren't very specific about it, but the implication was there, and a lot of people keyed in on that. I think if they would have reined it in a little bit and been a little more communicative about this particular process, I don't think any of this would have been as bad as it was. But that's just See, my opinion. For me, for me, I think the biggest thing that I that the biggest thing I think that upset people, and I understand why it upset them, and I'm not even going to say they're wrong to be upset, was the mod change. Yeah, the mod change is big. I, I say that knowing full well why they did it and having expected them to do something like that, mm -hmm. but they didn't say anything about it until practically the game came out. Yeah. And then as people were getting ready to make mods for it, they're like, by the way, if you make a mod, we own it. Yep. And Again, like I just said, I understand why you know, I can just look across and see Riot Games. Oh yeah. Or, you know, Defense of the Ancients 2, and I know why Blizzard did it because if I were the game company looking at all that money other people are making off of something they developed with our tool set originally, I would be thinking about how to make sure that doesn't happen again. I I'm not blind to that. But you can't modding communities I had a discussion with a, with a guy online about it from the modding community. He was actually perfectly civil. He didn't yell at me or anything. Um, and he made the point that modding communities drive a lot of innovation in gaming. Like, we wouldn't have Half-Life, you know what I mean, if not for modders. Yeah. And, like, we I don't think people realize how have... many games are born from mods or mods that yeah. have been in previous things, right? Like, it's there's a crazy amount of them. It... I don't know. Like, I don't know if Bethesda would still be here if not for modders fixing that engine. Yeah. Because that game engine is super old and it keeps being horrible and they keep using it and people have to come along and make mods to make it work. So, you know, the modding communities are it's it's one thing that you want to control at your your IP and your property. I get that. It's another thing to control what people can do with code and to make it so that if they use your 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 tools to make the code, they then you own that. It's like you're not paying them. I, so I understand like why people are mad. I feel like Blizzard maybe should have told people up front, hey, if you're a modder, don't go thinking you're going to create the next Dota because if you do, we're going to own it. And that should have been there from the beginning. That should have been a big part of the presentations. Yeah. Because I feel like if they had told people that, they wouldn't have been happy. But they the way it time. got dropped. 
yeah, the way it got dropped on people, they felt blindsided. So, and 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 yeah. again, I understand that feeling. Like it's it's one of those things where like modding communities are, and, and I say this as a wild player who uses a bunch of mods, and have I used to build mods for a while back in the day. Like mod communities are tight, and they're a they are a community, and they keep games going and thriving, and that is a big thing. And just like you said, having it dropped on us or dropped on the player base is kind of a, it's kind like, of a big I, thing. Like I, like I said, it's not a surprise to anybody who's like played world of Warcraft. Yeah. Because not a surprise. players know, while players know you can't, those mods, they're not yours. Yep. Like you can't, you can't make money off of them. We, we, they straight up told you from the, from the beginning, from the you very cannot beginning. make money off of world of Warcraft mod. And had they just come out and said, it, I think, Certainly, fewer people would have been interested in modding the game. Absolutely, that's true. But people would have known it, and they would have gone into it with it, and it would have been less of a problem. I think this is kind of similar to the Diablo Immortal problem in that messaging is a big part of it. It is. It's not necessarily that there's anything wrong with Diablo Immortal, but the messaging was off. And people... The other problem, of course, is that there is this tendency on the internet to only care about how negative you can be about something. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting real tired of it. I'll just be upfront. That's it's exhausting, guys. It's just exhausting. Um, but th- that in no way excuses this. Um, I am not sitting here defending the Warcraft three launch. Um, I, I... <sighs> yeah, no, that wasn't now, great, guys. It's not great, but I will say at least one positive thing about it because I I feel that there is at least something positive in it is that. It is the relaunch did give players that never played the original an opportunity to experience at least some of the game for the first time. And those people, the ones that I know that never got to play the original, they're having fun. They're a lot of people are having fun with it. Yeah. So I'm totally I'm totally on board with that. And I'm happy for Arthas that he finally got to win that fight. <laughs> Ever letting it go. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, next thing to talk about, I guess we should talk about the uh, race to world first mythic competition in, in oh, uh, yeah. Battle for Azeroth. That's a big uh, one. A couple of how many how many guilds are on uh, Nazoth now? Quite a few, I think. I, I don't remember uh, the exact method limit, but uh, I think Nazoth has been the roadblock right now. Uh, yes, everybody yes. seems to have gotten past everything else, but Nazoth is definitely proving to be he almost the wasn't. Part. Yeah, <laughs> didn't they like have the hot fix him? So what wound up happening is there was a bug. So in the Nazoth fight, there's a section where he basically puts a shield up and then does, like, a bunch of raid-wide damage. And the mechanic is you're supposed to go essentially inside of him and beat him up like the Cthune fight. Uh, What wound up happening is that they discovered, well, you could just heal through the damage that was coming out. And the shield wasn't really reducing damage, so you could just keep... DPSing him and completely ignore the mechanic and by completely ignoring the mechanic lock him into this phase so that you didn't have to like actually do anything there were no phase transitions once the once he transitioned into this phase uh, they had to despawn Nizoth and it was across all of North America it was not uh, like just for them it was Nizoth despawned everywhere and they had to hot fix it and the hot fixes they did put in place were uh one the damage that is coming out of him during that phase is absolutely 100 percent unhealable you will just die nothing stops you from taking that damage anymore uh and i believe that the shield is actually working as intended now so you can't actually damage him you have to do the mechanics to progress uh which yeah, that, that, that that's, that's a huge thing that. yeah oh yeah absolutely that makes sense but yeah, so that's that's still going on as of the recording of this. If you're listening to us stream it, then you're listening to us tell you this. And if you're watching, you know, listening to it when it goes up on the site, yeah, it's as of this moment, Nazoth's still up. He's it's still only been a couple of weeks, yeah. so he's no. We're in no danger of the you know the the Legion situation where uh, Kill Jaden took forever. This is probably not going to be one of those times. I'm pretty sure he's we're going to see Nazoth die this week. Um, so yeah, not. Not the longest lasting mythic race, but I've always been of the opinion that mythic races are for people who are very dedicated and it doesn't really affect my life or the life of the people I raid with. I'm still, I think we're about halfway done. I think we got seven down last week. So we've still got five to go in my raid and that's just not normal. 
I don't know when we'll even get to heroic and I am not expecting to see mythic again ever again. We're uh, that's not yeah. my life anymore. Uh, and I'm, I'm happier for it. Quite frankly, I, I liked doing mythic progression when I did it, but I am not that guy anymore. It's been fifth. It's been years and I am, I am not caught up in that, but <laughs> you're a little I, ahead of me. I think Joe, right? Yeah. We're up to, uh, we're up to carapace. Um, so we're, we just got there last night, uh, and we haven't done any polls on it yet. That'll be next week. Uh, cause we're going to start. I was going to say, I was, was going to ask if you were going to reset or if you were going to, where people we still need go. gear. We still need weapons. Cause we, uh, for whatever reason, we're one of those groups that just never get weapon drops and everybody wants a weapon from you mean one of those groups. That's every group. <laughs> But yeah, so we uh, we've progressed through to that point. Uh, I don't know if we will. It's going to be one of those weird moments where I think it might be like Jaina and Azara, where once we get past Carapace, we might do normal clears up to Nazoth, flip over to Heroic, and do progression through there to gear up for Nazoth. Because I mean, we're that's a hard fight, and we just finished Ilganoth, which is. One heck of a DPS check! Oh my god, that fight yeah, yeah, was I, I, that fight was brutal. Yeah, I, I we didn't actually do Ilganoth. Uh, he was where we stopped, I think, because we knew it was going to be. I think we t- we we poked our head in and looked at it. Um, mechanically, he's not the one with all the tentacles that come up from the ground, right? Which one no, is that one? No, that's a uh, Dareth or something like that. Whichever one that is, that was the last one we did, I think. Uh, and we were like, we could go over to Ilganoth, and we went over and looked at him and did a couple polls, and we are like, yeah, okay, we're done. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Ilganoth does look like a heck of a the, DPS. The only thing I will say is uh, uh, the Mythic Race, just going back to that real quick, made me very, very happy because I'm starting to see Resto Shaman get used again, which is something I haven't seen in a very long time at a competitive few Bleeding Edge. Didn't, we talked about that last week, though. There was quite a few, and we were trying to puzzle out why they'd be using them. Yeah, and I, fi- I, I think I figured out why. Uh, so there are two very key Restoration Shaman mechanics that allow you to uh, not cheese some fights, but give you breathing room. Uh, so one of them is the Earthen Bulwark Totem. Uh, basically, it's, it's an AoE effect totem that reduces all incoming damage by X percent, and it's based off your spell there. Uh, your, your spell power, essentially, uh, your intellect level now. Uh, so, like, mine reduces every attack by, like, 5,000 points of damage incoming. That's huge for me, and I can only imagine with somebody who's scaled higher than me how much that, that's doing for their raid group, particularly, like, tanks. Uh, there are fights like Prophet Sekrum where there's lots of little hits coming in that need to be dealt with, but if you can reduce them so you don't have to heal as much, it lets you get through the other phases better. It's the same thing with uh, weird tentacle, mctentacle face boss, the same thing. Uh, there are a lot of fights that really work with that. The other one is uh, Ancestral Protection Totem. This allows a shaman, a restoration shaman, to instead of use their Ankh self-res on themselves, throw a totem down on a target before they die to transfer the self-res ability to that target. And you were saying that it doesn't count as it a does, battle res. doesn't count as a battle res because the restoration shaman self-res or the shaman self-res in general, does not count towards your your battle res limit. Has never, and I hope never will. But the interesting thing about that is there are certain fights where your tank is just gaining stacks of an effect and need to trade off back and forth. But if well, you can do that, you can keep it longer. Exactly. The tank can then let themselves die on a, on a predictable schedule so you can put the totem down and actually make use of it because that's the hardest part is predicting when somebody is going to die because if you put it out, you lose it. It's done. You know, but you know full well if the tank's like, okay, I'm at so many stacks, I have, stop healing me. I have, you yeah. know, I'm going to be dying in five, four, three, drop the totem, two, one, down, back up, stacks clear. It allows a lot of wiggle room on certain encounters, and I think that is the main reasons why they're doing it. Also, because the healing output with these fights, the deep healing mastery is really insane and useful because it lets you go absolutely crazy. Like, I... I'm not even geared like they are. I can get my mastery to 150%, which is stupid. It means that all my heals basically heal twice. It is absolutely insane. So I can only imagine what that is at that at their level. So super happy. Cool. Restoration Shaman are cool again. 
Yeah, that's pretty nice. On the other hand, uh, Fury Warriors are not. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to belabor that. Instead, we're going to talk about an announcement for for Overwatch League for next season. Uh, third season's coming up fairly soonish, I think. Should be coming up this year. And uh, Jeff Kaplan did an announcement basically talking about one of the things they're going to be doing. They're, they're creating a hero pool system for the league in March. And the way this is going to work is it's not hero bans. Remember they were like, people were worried yeah. they were going to be banning certain characters, but it kind of mechanically works like one in that the way the hero pool will work, it will remove one tank, one support and two damage heroes from the list on a weekly basis. And that that'll change every week. So one week you might lose. Um, I think the example they used was Ariza. Yeah. And then the next Arisa, week you yeah. might lose Sigma and it's all randomly selected based on their pick rate in the previous two weeks. So if these guys, if there's a tank that's getting used constantly, if there's just, let's say Brigitte suddenly becomes super popular for some reason, and she's getting used all the time, if everybody's using her, then she might go on, she'll go in the ban and then people will have to switch to a different tank and it'll, they're, they remember they're taking the league global and yeah. they're, they're making it. So players go from place to place and so forth. They're also going to be doing a, a different way for the game to be played. Players are going to be notified of the upcoming week's hero pool a week in advance of their matches, but they're still that's still only a week. Like if you've been really focusing on a certain character, it gives you a week to to get another character ready in your head. You know, to to, to, look, to oh god, I got to do this guy now. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. players are very good at that. Some players can just play anything, and some players really focus on specific characters. So. That's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Um, the only way I can see that would be a really bad thing is most, and this is just from my experience with uh, esports, my limited experience. I, I'm obviously I'm not the best esports person, but each player usually has like two or three that they're like that they quote unquote main, so that they can change roles as necessary to battle certain comps. Uh, and usually they're different roles, like they're not just tanks only. So they have a little bit of, of experience with something else so that there's a little more flexibility. So I don't think it'll be as impactful to some of them uh, as as some people are, are. I've been seeing that they think that it's going to like ruin certain players. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case because th that's the way it's been with like League of Legends and Heroes of the Dorm and stuff like that. You had players that could play multiple players or characters. I think it's going to be okay, and I actually like the idea of this system better than bans, because you bans were an interesting strategy, but it felt like a completely different game than the one you were watching, because you would target your bans not based off of what the strongest heroes were or whatever, but you would specifically try to break up either uh, certain compositions or you would try to hurt a specific player. And I used to see this with uh, the League of Legends Worlds things, where they would f pick, like, a single player and use all five bands to take all five of their characters that they knew how to play off the table. This is a little more balanced and a, lot, a little more fair, I think. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's better than a band because it keeps a character or it, it keeps, like, certain heroes from being completely removed from play. Yeah. Like if, if in esports, if people think, oh, that character is just broken, they'll just always ban them. Uh, I remember way back in the day, going back to Heroes of the Storm, a lot of people thought Illidan was broken. So, or yep. Stitches. People hated Stitches. Uh, tournament people hated Stitches. Everybody hated Stitches. Stitches was constantly just, no, we don't want them. I remember auto banning so, Brightwing. <laughs> yeah. So. I do think it's good that, you know, if people are over relying on a certain character, there's a chance the chance of that character not being there week to week will go up. Um, but it also means that they're never going to be like, well, you know, uh, Reinhardt just everybody hates him. So he never should, he never gets to get played. If there's one guy who really likes Reinhardt is never going to get to use him. Well, that also uh, hurts the fans that watch it, too, because if they if like you're a casual player and you really like seeing high level play for your favorite character. And then that character gets banned all of the time. It's not fun or engaging for you. So I think that helps there too. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, but I think that's pretty much all we've got for stories to talk about. Uh, and that means we're going to do the, their email that we do. And I, why do I go Western every time? I have why? no idea. I'm not even trying. I have no I'm idea. I'm not even trying. 
quite frankly, I find it annoying. But nevertheless, I don't. Uh, I think it's yeah. entertaining. If, you, if you've got an email for the show, guys, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch to read us for the show. Some of you are sending in emails for like Lorewatch and or Blizzardwatch. I'll be up front. If you do that, I steal them for Blizzardwatch. It's like, true. If you, put, does. if you put Lorewatch slash Blizzardwatch in there, it's going to be in the Blizzardwatch email. So I'm just saying if you want it to be on Lorewatch, don't put Blizzardwatch in the subject line because then it will go on this show. Which, since Joe and I do both shows, I'm not sure that that's a bad thing, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, again, also you can you can also hit us up on the on our Discord server. We've got a Q and podcast questions channel for for patrons. Uh, you can put some questions in there, and we do take a look in there and make sure they're getting pulled out. Um, sometimes it takes me a little while because there's lots of questions for the Q, and I miss them, but they're definitely there. And we did we also do a little bit. We did it this this recording. Sometimes in the pre-show, Joe is making sure to look at our uh, stream. I do. To, to, Even to while we're recording. Stuff out. Yeah. So absolutely, you can do that too. Um, but right now, Joe's going to read these for us. So if you don't mind, Joe. Hail to thee, O watchers of the blizzard. Question one. Has WoW become too big that it, or too big, I would assume that's what it means, that it needs a WoW 2.0 of some kind? I ask because 8.3 feels like the laggiest and glitchiest patch. I have also had to wait a minute or more for all animations to load when I take a portal. I have done everything on my side to fix it, so when one of you mentioned the complexity the game has developed in terms of coding, example, change something in Pandaria and suddenly Mount Hyjal is an ocean, I wondered if WoW was simply too big. Uh, these are all from Shad. I think we'll go one by one because it'll just be easier. They're all a little different. So thank you, Shad, for sure. the question. Um, do you mind if I start in on this one? No, go ahead. So this is uh, something that anybody who's ever worked in software development or knows somebody who has is a common complaint. The longer lived a piece of software is, the more complicated it becomes. And that's just the nature of the beast. Because if you have something that was developed, in this case, 15 years ago, even when it, even with the stuff that was changed for Cataclysm, which wasn't that long ago, comparatively, you still have weird artifacts and things like that that happen. A WoW 2.0 that can mean two different things. That is either a completely new game, which we saw other games try to do like EverQuest or Lineage uh, and have some success with doing that, but not nearly as much uh, trying to move players over because players didn't want to move between systems. Or you're talking about taking everything offline and completely redoing the code. And that I don't think is viable. And there, for a few reasons, I think... There are too many people that maybe don't work there anymore that that don't have the deep, 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 deep knowledge of the code, and that presents its own challenges, but also the amount of downtime you have to have for that type of, of, of fix is so immense, we probably would be without a game for weeks upon weeks to play, because they'd have to have it offline. Now, that said, I understand why people are, are starting to talk like this. This is a, a topic that's come up a few times. Patch 8.3 has been probably the glitchiest in a while, but it's not unique. We've had worse patches. I can remember ones where things, just characters couldn't log in at all. I remember certain classes couldn't log in at all. Certain specs would get an error that the character was already logged in for days. So with what's happening now, is it annoying? Yes. Is it probably a result of ancient code? Probably. Do I think a WoW 2.0 would fix it? Yes. Do I think it's viable? No. Uh, I think hot fixing it and doing what they're doing and, and trying to work like they're doing is probably the best option. It's basically the difference between what you call DevOps and LiveOps. This is all LiveOps now. So fixing things on the fly, doing what you can, That's that. I think that's the best way that they could possibly do it. Because otherwise, we're not going to have a game to play for a long time. Okay, from my perspective, keep in mind that unlike Joe, I have no software development experience. Um, there's two good reasons not to do this. One of them is the before-mentioned uh, splitting the player base thing that happened with EverQuest 2. EverQuest 2 was, by all regards, a really good game. Mm -hmm. A lot of people liked it. Some people left World of Warcraft to go play it uh, because it was that good. But you lost people. You didn't... You ended up with people who didn't play EverQuest didn't go to EverQuest 2 because it had a 2 in the title, so they figured, oh, it's you know just more EverQuest. Um, and people who liked EverQuest 1 and didn't want to change also didn't go to it. They just kept playing EverQuest. And I think people at WoW, whatever you want to call them, whatever you want to say about them, learned that lesson. 
and they've got very little desire to split off another game that's just going to be more WoW for people who like WoW. Uh, they're going to just keep it WoW. And keep mm-hmm. in mind that they have actually done a lot to make this game different, to the point that when they started trying to work on WoW Classic, they couldn't just plug WoW Classic in and run it because everything was different. Yeah, they actually had to go back and find some of the original server blades to get some of that code back to figure out what yeah. was going on. There's a reason that WoW that WoW Classic is running um, patch 1.12 because that's the version of WoW they found. Yep. Um, and it's good that it's the one they found because that's the one that had everything on it. If they had found 1.6, several <laughs> raids wouldn't exist, man. Connected flight uh, paths wouldn't exist. <laughs> yeah. So... Think, thinking about the complexity there, they back in, in Warlords, you may not remember this, in Warlords, they switched to a completely different archiving system. Yep. Uh, I, I forget what they used for file archiving before, but they changed the way that worked. They've made a lot of under-the-hood changes to this game over the years. In effect, you can say we've actually already had WoW 2.0, and then 3.0, and we're probably on WoW 4.0 by now. But it's all like as as Joe already outlined for you. It's all live op stuff. It's all stuff that they do while the game is still being played, and they don't want to do anything. They don't want to take the servers down for a week. Yeah. Um, people people think about the amount of anger you see about stuff like Diablo Immortal, or or Warcraft Three Reforged not working quite the way people want it to, and then imagine what the, the reaction would be to no WoW servers for a week. Or a week and a half, or a month. They don't want to risk that. That's just way too much. People would never accept it. And um, I wouldn't accept it. I would lose my mind if I couldn't. You know. I was gonna say by the by the way, uh, it's random. I actually know what they use for their file system. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's a uh, CASC. <laughs> yeah, and it's different than what it was back yeah. in the day. And that's the yep. thing. They've made a lot of changes under the, under, I remember them making the announcement and like, you were the only one who got it. <laughs> like yeah. everybody in this was going, what, what does that mean? And you were like, trust me, it's a thing. <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't think we're going to get wow 2.0 ever. I don't think they're ever going to want to change the, they, they don't want to lose the branding and they don't want to like do the, the things that they'd have to do to make that work. Yeah. Uh, plus to a degree, it might not look all that necessary to them. Like, why would we do that? You know, what's the compelling reason to do that? What do we gain for? That's the choice. You, the thing you always have to ask when you're suggesting any change to a game like this is, what's the compelling reason to do it? And if there isn't a compelling reason, well, we have res- we have a limited amount of resources here, guys. We're not going to spend them on something where we don't have a compelling reason to do so. Yeah, you know, and that's it's true for every change you want to make. Moving on to the second question we have, do we know what Nathanos is doing? Uh, I have no bloody idea what he's doing. I, I don't know. I have a feeling nope. that we're going to find out real soon, but I have yeah, no idea. The last thing we see is Sylvanas and him talking at the, at you know, the, the Windrunner Spire, and they have, for them, clo- you know, practically an emotional moment, and then he leaves on a mission for her, and that's the last you hear of him. But we'll probably find out more in Shadowlands because I have a feeling that that's how Tyrande is going to get to uh, till Sylvanas is going to be through Nathanos at some point because his I he's got a reckoning so. coming. I I want Undead Boyfriend to get his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, third question: Do we know how the Mista Pandaria leveling will look in 9.0? Which veil will we see? The pre Garrosh or the rejuvenated veil? My understanding for the stuff is that the expansions are going to play out just like you were f- entering them for the first time. So you will be going through everything just like it was when it went live the first time. Uh, you'll experience the story fully from the beginning to the end as you level through that content. Uh, so it'll be pre-Garrosh all the way through to the veil exploding and doing all that other stuff. Yeah, it's like right now, if you were to level through Mists of Pandaria content on a new character that hadn't done it before, they see the, la- the veil before it gets blown up, then they see it get blown up. And when they reach 120 and they're doing uh, Battle for Azeroth content, they'll see the veil fixed because that's how it works. And it'll work that way in Shadowlands. You'll just be level 50. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll, it'll just be if you don't do Mists of Pandaria, you'll never know that it was anything. You'll never see it. So, yeah, that's pretty much how it'll work. Yeah. All right. So thank you again for those questions, Shad. Moving on to 
question from Spy Sprocket on Proudmoor. Hello again, Watchers. You talk of adding some kind of past expansion summary in-game got me thinking. It occurred to me that there's already a perfect character and mechanism in WoW to give new players a cinematic rundown of previous storylines. Imagine a new player arriving in Stormin or Orgrimmar and being sent to speak with Lorewalker Cho, who would give you one of his narrated magic stage plays of whatever expansion the players wanted a summary of. It would be a fun in-game way of letting that information, or getting that information to the player, and we would get to listen to Jim Cummings talk about Arthas and Deathwing. Can you think of a better implementation of this idea? I'll let you go first. Um, Not necessarily a better one. I just think that you could do more than just having a be Orker show. Like, one of the ideas that would be really cool is if you work the Time Walkers in there. Yep. Um, there's I can't remember his name off the top of my head, I want to say Xanatarn, but I there was that Torin uh, in Wrath that you meet in the Storm Peaks, and he's like super super old, and I can oh. never remember his name. You know the one I'm talking about. I, yeah, I can't think of his name though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just he's like at least he Zarantar. Lives the, Zarantar, thank you. Whoever's just said that in in chat that Joe read or read mm-hmm. and he remembered. No, that was Did that was just remember? me remembering. That was that really old, like necrotic looking dude. I just remember him thinking. I was like thinking, oh, Xanatos. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. Zeratar. That guy. And like you could have. Imagine if you went to like a you know if, if there was like you know Chromie or that guy or some other member of the Bronze Dragonflight who literally showed you something along those lines of what you're talking about. But they're literally showing you look into the window of time and they show you everything. Uh, I was doing. Uh, you've you've done. You probably did more of it than I did because I was kind of taking a sabbatical. I finally went and did like a bunch of quests that were just laying around for me, mm-hmm. and one of them was the quest that you that takes you to, uh, I want to say Nazjatar, and, and it's, I think for the horde it's, uh, it's the Arcanist, Arcanist Elisra, yes, and for the Alliance it's uh, it's Chandra's Feathermoon, and you you get to see the area around Zinashari. You you get to see what it was like when when the the wave came in and crushed everything and uh for part of it you get to a certain point and you just see that the warbringer's short for for ashara and i i remember thinking something like this where you go and you talk to one of the time walkers and like stare into the window of time and then you get something like this and you get like a brief this is a rundown of like this is what you know the original world of warcraft this is what it was like you get a rundown like that that would be pretty cool uh, I would I would be interested in seeing stuff like that. Plus, it was you know it's neat to get Ashara personally dissing you. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm totally okay with Ashara dissing me, but I hate it when Nathanos does it. I think it's because Ashara just she's so amused by everything she does. The imperial the imperious tone makes it easier to uh, to, to to take. I think. I mean, she's ten thousand years old. Whereas yeah. who's Nathanos? Nathanos is a jerk who who slept his way into being one of the the Rangers and then died. Okay. Yeah, I actually have accomplished things in my life, Cal. I didn't die, just die and have everything handed to me. But, you know, my Torrent had real problems in the past. <laughs> uh, um, but but seriously, though, I do think that that's a neat idea. I, I, even if you just had it be Lorewalker Joe, or if you had it be Magni for the, you know, if you wanted to have it be like a Horde one and an Alliance one, or if you had I, it be the Bronze Dragonflight, I think there's ways to make it work. I actually really like this idea. Uh, from And it was something I was thinking about when I was doing some of the... Um, 8.3 stuff, some of the invasion stuff, because you go through Lower Walker Cho at one point, uh, and you you do some research with them, and the research tells, again, older stories. Uh, and I thought that would be really neat if maybe the Lower Walkers, instead of just sitting at the seat of knowledge, were traveling the world in these different places, and not just gathering their own stories and bringing their own stories out there, but archiving what's out there in the wild, because that's one thing that, wow, I think it's a cool concept that I would love to see transferred to the other realms. Like if Lorewalker's like, we have an entire like continent that we haven't, or several continents that we haven't even touched yet that we don't know. We should preserve that knowledge. Let's go preserve that knowledge and have them go and, and have other Lorewalkers, not just Lorewalker Cho, Go out there and dig through the history of these places. Go look at the history of Lauderon. Go look at the the history of Northrend and, and all of those areas. And then give the ability of them to sort of tell the players or take the players through those events. Whether it's the magic cutscenes with the in-game engine or if it's a full-blown cutscene. 
that would be really, really cool. Uh, I I love that idea. I think that is a great way to use established in-game lore and mechanics to fit the narrative that they want to go with the, the new leveling system and the new everything else. Like, I like it. I think that's a really cool idea. So, Surprise Rocket, you get my thumbs up and, and seal of approval on that one. All right. Moving on to the next one. Uh, hey, guys, if WoW ever gets another playable class, would Blizz need to make a whole new Legion class hall experience for it? With the new leveling structure, you get to choose a single expansion of leveling. So do you think they just prevent characters of that class from choosing Legion? Or maybe we'll see a new player class. Thanks, Sophie. I don't know. I don't really know what you mean by maybe we'll see another player in the class. Uh, a player class? Um, yeah, maybe we won't see another, you mean? Well, they, they, it's basically if another player playable class, like another class was introduced to the game, would they have to introduce another class hall experience? So, like, okay, that's what they said before. So, I was confused by the end of that. Yeah. So that's the end of the email. Confuse me. Um, I'm gonna say that I think people would not like it if you picked the new hotness class and then you couldn't do an entire expansion. Uh, yeah, that would not be fun, and people would be mad, especially if they wanted to get like transmog looks. Like there's always looks, you know, if, if they're male class, there's male armor in there. People are going to want telling them, nope, you just can't unlock all that stuff. Uh, that would that would be a problem. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I, I'm, I think that it'll be very unlikely that we'll see another class because I don't know if they'd be willing to put in the effort to design an entire new class order hall and three new artifacts or at least two. Um, two, two new artifacts, two to three, two new, th two to three new artifacts, you know, storylines and the, the class order whole storyline and the class mount at the end. Cause remember your, your class gets a special mount at the end. They can't just, I can't imagine them you know, saying, but this class doesn't get that. Uh, and there's ways around it. Like one of the ways to do it would be to make that the starting experience. Like you could, if if the new class's starting experience is in the thing that is going to be their class hall, then you've already designed it. If that makes sense, like the the death the demon hunter class hall is essentially the place where you start. You do like that whole quest to get you know, level your character and get acclimated. That you go back and that becomes your class hall. So and for the death knights, it's even easier. The death knight class hall is Acarus. It's where you did your original Death Knight leveling at level 50. Mm -hmm. So there's ways to do it that would not be too disruptive. But yeah, it's it's it, it's weird to think about. It's weird to think about them doing it. And it's weirder still to think about them not doing it. So my take on it is I think that's something that they could completely skip with the class hall experience, right? Like, let's say they, they introduced the mythical Stormcaller class, which was the weird proposed hybrid from the tabletop game that they produced that was between shaman and druid um if that was to become a class let's say that they they could either have them do either of the class hall experiences or neither of the class hall experiences because you can level right now through legion without having to do a single order hall thing and be fine there's enough content and quests out there yeah i think you have to go there once though don't you they could take the requirement out possible. for a new class, though. I guess right? they could, yeah. Because that's just that's basically a trigger that wouldn't exist at that point, and you just don't have that as a requirement. Um, you can have, I mean, the the only downside is it would skip the Xerath stuff, but okay, yeah. they can just do a cinematic also, or something that that says here's what happened. No, you guess you can make them skip artifacts too. Yeah, they don't. They wouldn't I mean, need artifacts. On a not fun, but you know, and, and as, the, the problem having done that stuff as such an, such an expansion specific thing, it's really hard to imagine them going through all that work for another class now. Yeah. And then as Callan and chat points out, uh, a lot of the order hall stuff is locked behind max level uh, for, for Legion anyway. So when you think about your order hall experience, most of it happened when you hit 110. So if you're leveling through, you're going to that max level, and then you're going on to the next content. You didn't play a warrior, did you, man? I, I did. I played. I have recently then, played through a warrior. Dude, it was... the second you the second you got there, you wanted to go to that place because that's where the jump to new zones was from. Yes, 
you spent a lot of time in the warrior class hall. I don't know about other people. In fact, that was one of the reasons that I was kind of bummed out that the warrior class hall didn't have all those cool NPCs in it. The, like you go to the paladin class order hall and it's jam packed with people you've heard of. Like, wow, same, it's that paladin. Same with the shaman yeah. class hall. But warrior most, one, you don't know who these people are. The warrior one was probably the most integral as far as classes go for like. I, there's I would say, oh, there's a death, the death knight one, obviously. Paladin, you, I think too. Yeah, I think some of them obviously aren't as much so, uh, but I haven't played all of them. Like, I played Hunter, and my, the Hunter one was like, what are, what are we doing here? All right, it's completely inconvenient, and I need to get back to, like, actual places. I think for a lot of classes, Dalaran did the job, and for some classes, the class order hold did, because it had a portal to Dalaran or a jump to Dalaran or something. The Death Knight one portaled Dalaran, the Paladin one death portaled Dalaran. So, yeah, I don't know, it's... It's weird and up in the air, but you're you're right in that you could probably level without ever going there because there is there's a ton of stuff you could do without it. Yeah. So I mean, I think that I hope that answers your question. Uh, the second part of it, though, if we'll ever see a new player class, probably not. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. It's just there's too much going on right now for pl- for just player balance. I don't think adding another th- two or three class specs. I don't know where that would go. Would you just add another DPS class? Would you add another tanking class? Would you add a, another class that could do all three? Like, and how would you balance that with what's currently there? So, and I think they've they've said this before where there's not, I don't think they intend to release any new classes unless it really makes sense. Unless there's something that like absolutely positively knocks it out of the park and they know exactly how they're going to implement it without breaking everybody else. Because I remember when Death Knights were introduced to the game and nobody played a tank that wasn't a Death Knight because there was no reason to because they were insanely unbalanced at the time. I don't think they ever want to have that happen again. I mean, there's like there's obviously always going to be players who are like really interested in, like say, a Tinker or a Dark Ranger or what have you. And I'm not saying those wouldn't be good classes, but the amount of work to make them both integral and unique is always something you have to keep in mind. How is the Dark Ranger different from the Hunter? Mm-hmm. How is it different? You know, what does it do differently? Or because it, it has to. And if you bring in a Tinker, what is the Tinker's role in the first place, and then how does it do it differently? And it can't just be different because oh, they're, they're using technology. It has to actually be mechanically different. Or you can't are just those, reskin things, you know? Or or are those better suited for something that's like a reskin, like we've talked about in the past, over the last couple. Uh, recordings here and lore watch like a dark ranger is that something that's just a flavor something that would be better given to hunters as an option versus a whole yeah. new class would tinkerers be fitting for something else like it's a bunch of questions that you have to ask like what's what better serves the balance of the game what better serves the player base so who knows let's see i think we got time for one more here Hey, Blizzard Watch, how's it going? With the upcoming changes to leveling in Shadowlands, what do you think Blizzard are going to do about professions? I like to level my professions up along with my characters and use the equipment I've made with uh, made when I can. It would be a real shame if I decided to level in, say, Pandaria and only be able to use the armor, weapons, and potions I made for a 10-level band uh, right in the middle. Do you think they'll make all professions gear scale? Or do you think they'll just neglect the professions like they, to be honest, have kind of been doing for the past few expansions? Thanks, uh, Rodamine Dwarf Hunter from Bartholus. You you guys are knocking it out of the park with questions that don't have an easy answer today. <laughs> I don't. Here's my thing. I, I think we were talking on the pre-show and we didn't get into too much specifics mm-hmm. on it because we knew we would be talking about it here. Uh, I have not liked professions in World of Warcraft since the Burning Crusade. Uh to the point where, and I've got, I had a character who until recently was a blacksmith slash enchanter, and he had been forever. Um, and I finally bit the bullet and dropped enchanting. And it was painful because I had some recipes that you can't get anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did it because having a blacksmith without mining is really hard, unless you have a ton of alts. And I didn't have a ton of alts to feed that character. That character's by himself. Um, so. I feel like, to a degree, this is one of those things that you say it, you you hear yourself about to say it, and you think, oh God, people are going to, you know, just, they're going to, there's going to be a torch wielding mob outside my house. I think maybe it's time to get rid of gathering professions. 
Mm-hmm. Like, why shouldn't I be able to dig stuff up or pick plants until I've, you know, why shouldn't that just be part of the main profession? If you're a blacksmith, you mine things. If you're an herbalist, you gather plants. And I know some people like having double gathering characters, but if your character could gather just because, then you could just go around and gather as much as you felt like it on any character. And I don't, I don't feel there's a benefit to this at this point. I feel like in order to make professions more interesting, there needs to be just a situation where you pick one and that's your profession. You don't have two of them. So you don't mm-hmm. have any blacksmith alchemists anymore. you pick one and that's your profession and everything in it. Like, you know, you take all that stuff, you make everything that we've got now a legacy thing and you make, you know, like you have stuff. I do think there's some form of scaling that's going to be necessary. If you level from like every expansion, the way they're talking about, there needs to be something done for that. But in general, it should just be like you've picked the you've picked the profession. You can gather what you need for that profession. You could gather other stuff, but it's not useful to your profession, uh, and sell it if you wanted to, whatever, and just make it like you know that you have a profession and that's it. Uh, I feel I feel like the way it is right now is just ends up people just end up like gating it behind dungeons was a terrible idea. Making it so you have to go into a dungeon to get a recipe or even to just to get like the next level of blacksmithing so you can get. And the thing they were doing in Legion, and I think they're still kind of doing it. Uh, to be honest, I haven't even touched my professions as expansion. That's how how bad I find them. But that idea like, you know, well, this is a three star recipe. If you want to be able to make four star versions of that recipe, you need to like go and, you know, kill this boss in a mythic. It's like, what? This is crazy. It's easier for me to get my my artifact appearance than it is for me to get a, a level of enchanting. What what's going on here, guys? I don't know. That's just me, though. What do you think? So I have a couple a couple specific thoughts on this. Uh, one, I agree with you that I think having gathering as a separate profession, I think it's time has run its course. And I say that as somebody who has played a bunch of other games recently, that you can just gather and. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think opening it up to all players where they can just gather whatever I think is fine. Where you can mine, everybody can just pick up ore. uh, Or everybody can pick up flowers or whatever the case is. I think that's fine. And then you give the professions the highlight. Like you said, you pick one profession, that's it. So jewel crafters can prospect. It's not a mining thing. Uh, Blacksmiths can smelt and they can do all that stuff. Alchemists and and inscriptionists can work with the the raw materials. But I think that opens up players to be a little more uh, free in what they gather, especially with the XP you can get from it. I know a lot of people use that to smooth out certain leveling, uh, which is another question how that's going to work with leveling. But then I think that allows them to focus more on the actual crafting side of the professions and make them more valuable. Because here's the thing. There are some cool things that you can make in your professions that are bind on pickup that you make one once. Why would you make another one? And then you have to make more of that in order to continue to level, which makes it worthless or at least not as great because, yeah, you can, you know, then take it to the scrap thing or whatever now. But I think they have a core idea that they could expand upon, which is. Like, right during Battle for Azeroth, and I'll use Zandalari because I'm Horde side, for jewel crafting, there's Zandalari jewel crafting. It is specific to that expansion, and it gives you a set of stuff inside of that expansion from 1 to 175 that you can do here. And that's it. It doesn't count for anything else in the past. doesn't count for anything in the future. It's contained. I think they could take that idea and push that around, where it now becomes Pandaria jewel crafting or Cataclysm jewel crafting or whatever, and it's contained within that bubble. And I think they could go back and take a look at these items. Are these things that we want players to make money off of or have to stimulate the economy, or do we want it to be a gearing strategy for them and then adjust how much you get from, you know, leveling up a certain thing? Maybe it gives you five points now instead of two so that it smooths that out so you don't have to make 8,000 rings that you just can't use. I think there's something here that they could do to make professions one viable again, and maybe not the economic stimulus they used to be, because I don't think they, I don't think they have been since Warlords of Drainer and, and that whole thing happened. I think you get rid of gathering as its own separate profession, let everybody gather whatever the heck they want, and then give the time to those professions to be something specific where 
a blacksmith can make specific armor. Leather workers can make, you know, useful armor for themselves for the leveling experience. The other good thing about that too, is if you spend the time to do that, because you're already looking at gear for, for leveling, uh, in this new brave world that we're going to have, uh, come 9.0, you can then smooth out those gear bumps. Like, one thing we've been complaining about, and we've talked about this before too, is how many times have you gone to like, I need one specific piece of gear that just will not drop for me. Back during like vanilla and and Burning Crusade, you could just make that gear piece that you needed. I still remember making chromatic legs because I could not get legs to drop in Blackwing Lair at all for my hunter. So I just went and farmed and made my own, and that was perfectly fine until Max Ramos came out. I was I able to do that, but one of the things I did, um, I remember this because I had two I had two warriors back then even. And uh, my wife and I were on the server where, where we played and I had my main who was raiding and my alt was like a DPS. This was uh, arms. No, she, he was a slam fairy guy. That's right. And someone, one of her friends saw me and was like, wow, he's got really great gear. And she's like, yeah, he, he it's all crafted or mm-hmm. You know, one was like I had the sword from from Azuragos, Typhoon. That was my big drop that I'd gotten from a, from a raid thing. Everything else was either d- Dungeon Point Five stuff that was the epic stuff. Yep. Or it was crafted. Like I had the lion heart, the lion head helm. I think oh, lion heart helm. Lion heart yeah, helm. That I was had, so good. I had that helm, and I had a bunch of other stuff because I I'd, I'd gone out and crafted it. And that continued in BC. Like I remember my main in BC, they made it. So it was a little bit more raid dependent, but I had like, I had the Lionheart executioner. I still have the mm-hmm. original model in my transmog thing because I, I made that sword and kept it because it was, it was scalable with as you could make the original version, of the Lionheart blade and you could be done. And that was fine. If, if you were never going to raid and that was, that was the weapon you'd have. Or as you continued raiding, if you weren't getting a better drop, you could get the materials and make the upgraded version. And you did it twice up to Lionheart Executioner. And I feel like stuff like that doesn't it's, really exist anymore. Yeah, it's missing. And that, that was like and those were cool moments for, for me as a player too. Like finishing crafting like that set of black dragon scale shoulders or the chest piece or whatever for my hunter was this big cool moment where it's like, I've got this cool piece of gear. It's viable. And it took me a while to do, but I was able to do it myself. I don't think professions have had that sort of that, that, that feel in a very, very long time. And I think taking the time to maybe give that feeling back, allow players to sort of capture some of that again in the long run helps them keep players engaged, helps players feel not abandoned by the loot system, which that's a whole other topic we could spend an hour on. Yeah. And, and gives that professions that thing like, yeah, these are fun to do again. These are things that are, are good to do again. Because I don't know anybody who's bothered, like, I've, I just now finished leveling jewel crafting because it literally did nothing for me this entire time. And the only reason I, I level it now is because now I can add sockets to gear because of something they put in the game. Yeah, you know, my friend Matt, uh, yes, I have friends named Matt. It's very confusing for me. Um, my friend Matt is a, is a blacksmith and he's always pretty progressed in it. So I have no reason to be. Yep. If you know one guy who's got blacksmithing, why would you do it? He, he'll make stuff for you. And that's the same stuff that none of the stuff is, is I think honestly making it bind on pickup for crafting stuff for like this kind of stuff would actually be helpful. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't go to the AH. You can't just buy it there. You can't get it from a friend. You'd have to actually level your skill to have it. And, at the time, a 400 weapon was a pretty good one until I got the time walking one, um, which is still barely an upgrade at 410. It's not that big a deal, but I figured, you know, I, I did get it because it is an upgrade. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. It's just like there's enough ways to get gear, but at the same time, they're all very frustrating. Like whenever I tell people, like when I make a post on Twitter, oh, hey, the emissary's up and it drops a weapon for this faction, or hey, there's a world quest here, it rewards a weapon. People are always like all over those tweets. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like you know, heck, somebody in our people... chat so pointed out that it's a 4:45 today uh, as well, and I'm like, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to go do it because I need a weapon upgrade. Um, you're not doing it. If you're talking horde, you're not getting the quest is alliance. It's an alliance emissary only. Shake my fist. But see, I, there you go. It's it was it's the uh, prod more admiralty horde. Do not get it. Horde have something else. And I I. 
I don't think that's cool, by the way. Um, straight up, this think people think I, I'm a alliance lover, horde hater, but if you're playing horde, you should have the same shot at gear. I don't like that they do that because it's frustrating for me when it's the other way around. So I don't want it to be that way. Even if you know whatever your faction loyalties are, no, that's just dumb. Mm-hmm. If if Proudmore Admiralty is giving away a weapon, then so should the Horde be. Like, I don't know which faction you'd count as the Proudmore Admiralty over there, but whichever one it is, I guess it'd be the Zandalar. Like, yep. just mm-hmm. have them be given a weapon, not not Azerite armor, which is what I think they're giving today, and not because Azerite armor is bad, uh, but because you know there's a lot of different ways to get Azerite armor compared to relatively few ways to get weapons. Yep. But that's a that's a story for another. We we could we need to move on. We'll be talking about this all day. Well, we can either I'm going to leave it up to you. We can answer more questions or we're right about the hour I mark. I think we're at the hour mark, so we should probably wrap it up. We'll we'll push the questions forward to next week, guys. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's good for us to have more questions rather than less. Uh so thank you very much for everybody who asked. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. And again, guys, if you have a question, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for the show. And you can hit up our Discord server as well, the Patron Podcasting Q Questions channel, and we'll look in there as well. We love getting questions. Thank you guys so much for asking them. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here, and we'll talk to you next week. 